Welcome, everybody, to another edition of the Tukey's Take Podcast, the Tukey and Sin Power Hour. Endo Mills off doing what he does, playing goaltender for somebody in the greater Toronto area. I, I don't even know for sure if he does play goalie. Let's be honest. Yeah. He could be doing anything right now. Uh, He's but lying. Sin and I are here. He's sweeping chimneys, man. He's still got it. <laughs> For anybody who doesn't know, Endo has shared this picture before. I will try to track it down of him as like a two-year-old and his mom. Keep in mind, this would have been in what, 1999? And his mom dressed him up. Swear to God, he looked like a, a chimney sweep from 18th century England. Oh, my God. Uh, it's one of the It's got to be a horrible Cockney accent, too. God, I'm not even going to try. Mary Poppins. <laughs> oh well sin at the very least i'm glad you're here with me as we're gonna talk about uh well let's be honest there's gonna be a lot of viewer questions today because we are in uh you know the doldrums of the summer now into the early stages of september there's still not a lot going on uh from the nhl perspective at least we are gonna get to talk about the women's game a little bit with the pwhl and some of the things going on there it's a big big month for that new league um, I will let you kind of decide where we want to go for this week's show, uh, given that, again, we could go into like the smaller news deal or we have a loaded viewer questions section today. Um, uh, yeah, choose your own adventure book for this week. Yeah, well, let's let's just delve in. I want I want to say you probably have it on somewhere, but you said choose what I want to do. I want to talk about the sends a little bit. Um, yeah. I think they're doing a pretty damn good job. So like, that was probably the biggest piece of, of news. Guys, lots of guys locked into like eight mil de- deals. And while some people are like, oh, have they all earned them yet? It's like, dude, like good young talent. They have them locked up. They're at least not going to necessarily hit the Mark Stone situations. Eric Carlson, like I, I like it for them. And I think they're I think they're doing a good job. So the big news of the week. Oh, by the way, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at manscaped.com. <laughs> Use code Tuggy <laughs> for 20% off your order and free shipping. That's code Tuggy, T-O-U-G-I-E at manscaped.com. Get the best tools for the job. Uh, and the Ottawa Senators might be getting the best tools for the job in terms of trying to eventually win a Stanley Cup. Uh, what you know, Sin is obviously referring to here was the big news of the former fifth overall pick back in 2020, defenseman Jake Sanderson signing an eight-year extension worth just over $8 million per season. That starts after this upcoming season. He's on the final year of his entry-level contract. So they are investing heavily into Jake Sanderson after just one season at the NHL level. That said... You know, again, Jake Sanderson drafted in 2020. The following year, he goes to the NCAA with the University of North Dakota, puts up 15 points in 22 games. His sophomore season, 26 points in 23 games, and then goes to Ottawa last year, 32 points in 77 games as a 20-year-old player. He turned 21 in July. Yeah, Uh, That is the type of player that you bank on. Yeah, flat out. And, you know, they they caught a fair amount of heat in that 2020 draft. Um, 
I'd say for taking Jake Sanderson instead of Jamie Drysdale. Uh, a lot of people thought Drysdale would be that fifth overall pick and the first defenseman off the board. That was not the case. Um, Drysdale obviously has had an interesting developmental history so far, suffered a big injury last season, didn't get to play that much uh, with the Ducks. But Sanderson, I thought last season, showed that promise. Um, whether it be from that points perspective, whether it be from a more analytical approach, um, you know, you can look at like the, the J Fresh card for Jake Sanderson, for example, um, which is very, very strong for someone who had the ice time of about a second pair defenseman. Um, I do not blame the sense whatsoever for investing in this guy. And I'm right there with you. It's like right now, this upcoming season, and obviously we'll talk about the Sens uh, in our season previews, which will be coming up uh, later on this month. Uh, looking to have some special guests on for those episodes as well. We'll see what happens. But right now, uh, Timmy Stutzla starting an eight-year deal this upcoming season worth $8.35 million, which is phenomenal. Yeah, he's he, good. I don't think people realize just how good he is. Yeah. Also from that 2020 draft, two picks before Sanderson. So, I mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I wonder whose pick that was. Uh, yeah, that, that, that was, there was a trade involved there, but I don't quite remember what team. <laughs> was it's all right. It's good. Yeah. Uh, but Stutzla had 90 points, 39 goals last season in 78 games as a 21-year-old. He finished the season at 21 years old. They have invested in Tim Stutzla. They have five more seasons of Brady Kachuk, four more seasons of Drake Batherson. Shabbat's under contract for five more years. Now, technically, you have Jake Sanderson for nine seasons um, in terms of that court. And then Josh Norris is going to be a big question this season. He might be the biggest X factor for that team. Yeah coming off of a big injury as well last season, was held to just eight games, uh, but that was the first year of his eight-year deal at $7.95 million. So they have certainly invested into that youth, that core, uh, the <laughs> return from the Eric Carlson trade in particular. It's just now a question of can they find that supporting cast? And obviously, they brought in Claude Giroux, uh, last year, they have Vladimir Tarasenko. <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Jake Chikrin's on the roster. Still a little bit worried that their goaltending is going to be Jonas Corposalo and Anton Forsberg, although Anton Forsberg did very well last year um, when he was healthy. So they are an interesting team, and I think they're right there in the mix. Did right? you mention like, Giroux? They still have Giroux, right? Yeah. Yep. Okay. Yeah, they got, they got Claude Giroux for two more seasons. Yeah, um, I thought it was a three-year ago. The Atlantic Division, which again, we'll talk about in full soon, but the Atlantic Division is kind of crazy because you have the Bruins who are going to be trying to hold on and are still going to be a good team. Well, they obviously won't be 65 wins good. Will they be playoff good? We don't even know. There's the Toronto Maple Leafs who will be playoff good. The Florida Panthers, the Tampa Bay Lightning should be playoff good. And then you have the Sabres, the Sens, the Red Wings, and the Habs, all of whom have done good things lately, are on the come up, and every single one of those respective fan bases should have optimism that their team could make the playoffs this year. Yeah, that division. There's, there's no bottom nuts. feeder in that in that division. There's simply no bottom feeder in that division anymore. It's it's going to turn over. 
someone's getting pushed out. Multiple teams are probably getting pushed out in the next couple of years. I hate to say it, but you got to think the Bruins are going to be one of those, just with the oh, yeah. where the way the roster's constructed and what they've lost over this coming over this you know this off season and just how they went out. It's been sometimes like it's it's one of those moments of like life comes at you quick, and mm. I experienced it with the Sharks. You know, we took that one year <laughs> off the playoffs. Everyone's like, oh, they're going to have to rebuild now. Came back multiple years, make the conference finals in 2019, then all of a sudden, it's just gone. Right. Like, <laughs> and, you know, you had the Bruins, 65 wins, a heartbreaking playoff uh, performance, we'll say. Yeah. And yep. questionable coaching <laughs> decisions. Everything kind of culminated in shit. They had it right in the palms of their hands. It, it They flopped. And then now you lose Krejci, Bergeron. And wow, like, yeah, it's and, yeah. and then with, on the flip side, you have all these other young teams who've been pushing. Do they have enough to get over? Who knows? But yeah, the Bruins are that team in that division that even though they're like, OK, they have presumably they'll be keeping Swayman. They have McAvoy and Pasternak signed. They're the ones that you look at because, OK, what are the Maple Leafs going to lose? William Nylander is more than likely out the door. But they still have Matthews, they still have Marner, they still have a lot of their pieces intact. Tampa, the biggest issue with them now is time. Stamkos, Kucherov, Hedman all getting older. They keep losing pieces. They're in a kind of similar spot to the Bruins, I guess. Yeah, they're more slowly bleeding, though, I would say. Like, the Bruins, they almost seemingly... I mean, when you use... You lose lose two centermen, basically, like, in a single season. That's tough. that's, That's really tough. Yeah, I feel like they're in a situation where the Bruins were like five years ago or so. Where you're yeah, like, they're yeah, not fair. done, but they do have to find the right pieces. Mm-hmm. And it's tough to do that with how much like draft capital they've given up, so yeah. on and so forth. So Yeah, and they're, um, they're definitely slowly bleeding. The thing that they're bleeding most of all is depth, which is yeah. extraordinarily important in the playoffs. They still have a good core. As you said, they are aging. They still probably have a couple good years of prime left, but... You know, even if they never make it back, they won. They won two straight and made it another time. So, I mean, <laughs> mission right. accomplished. If you're if you're a Lightning fan, yeah. I mean, they can't. Uh, <laughs> you know, you can't complain at that stage. But yeah, I mean, just getting getting back to the sentence in, in a general sense, they are right there in that mix. You know, obviously, mm-hmm. Sabres fans are super super um, hyped up about what this team could be with the Tage Thompsons, Rasmus Dahlins of the world. Uh, Red Wings fans as well, that, that team's taken a bit of a different approach. They do have the Lucas Raymonds and the Moritz Siders, but then obviously they fill out their roster a lot through free agency. And then Montreal's in that spot too, where it's like, okay, you don't have Carey Price anymore, but the emergence of Cole Caulfield, uh, Nick Suzuki being, I think, honestly probably better than I think any Habs fan could have hoped for after that, yeah. um, after that trade. You know, I think a lot of people are like, okay, Nick Suzuki, former first-round pick, like he's going to be good. Um, I don't know if Habs fans expected him to be captain material, especially at such a young age. So uh, that division is a minefield, and you can look at other divisions and say, okay, they're you know, <laughs> we both know this. You look at the Pacific Division with the San Jose Sharks, you're not going to make the playoffs. The Canucks and the Ducks have some issues. Uh, the Central has Chicago and Arizona. And look, we'll talk about the Connor Bedard effect. I'll be shocked if Chicago's back in the playoffs. And then the Metro has a team like Philly. So it really is just that Atlantic division that kind of stands up above the rest. 
Yeah, definitely. The other NHL-focused thing to talk about outside of the Jake Sanderson signing, which, again, to just recap that, it's a damn good signing. Matt Vay-Michkoff and his lack of playing time so far in the KHL. This was a potential fear, but I don't think people thought it would be this... I guess, to the forefront already. Um, now, in fairness, he's only played in one regular season game with SKA St. Petersburg, but even in their preseason, they've played four games, by the way, uh, so far this season. Even in the preseason, he wasn't getting that much playing time. In the draft this year, you, along with uh, most people, uh, Montreal, Arizona, and then obviously Philadelphia, who ended up with them, they were waiting to hear the name Matt Michkov. He falls to Philly at seven. How do you feel as a Sharks fan? It's very early. But if Matt Michkov was a Shark, how concerned do you think you would be right now? Pretty no concerned. Playing. And I'd be wondering why the hell they're doing that. It almost feels like spite that they that they he's going to leave, so they're like going to fuck up his development. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's what you are worried about. And... I didn't think a team would risk doing that. Like they're technically yeah. risking their own money and stuff like that. I don't know. It's it's kind of nuts, but he's clearly good enough like to be playing. I don't understand why you wouldn't. So it just seems like there's something else. And maybe this is the reason why so many teams didn't want to take the risk. And I'm starting to understand obviously a bit more. Everyone always said there's oh, there's some issues and but it was most mostly all centered around personality or whatever. Like I don't know, and probably some you know, aversion to, to Russia it, with everything going on, you know, understandable. And, but yeah, I, I just don't, I, I'm, 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 I, I was happy kind of with anyone that we were going to grab. I think Will Smith's going to be good. I feel like Mitch Cobb better fit with our uh, kind of development plans being probably three years away, but insanely, ta- well, obviously three years away given the contract, but just insanely talented. But yeah, if they're if they're all of a sudden gonna, his development's going to be stunted, that's your your that initial advantage of of taking him and stuff like that. That's starting to melt away if he's going to like get sat and ride the pine for no reason, seemingly no reason other than to spite the fact that he might leave or something. I don't know. I mean, it's interesting too because there are other younger talents, um, relatively high profile talents on that team um, for the Minnesota Wild, a, a former, I believe, first round pick and Marat Kuznadinov is on that team. And actually, he was an early second rounder, but he's playing uh, Ivan Demidov, who is projected to be a top five pick this year, is getting playing time. And obviously he is younger uh, than Michkov. Uh, and then you also get uh, the NHL legend himself, Alexander Galchenyuk, playing <laughs> in every single game. It's, it's one of those things where it's like, okay, like, is it an attitude issue? We don't really know. Is it spite? Regardless, it just it does seem crazy from the outside looking in to not play this kid. Yeah. Given what he was able to do at the lower levels, not even at the lower levels last season. Dude, in the KHL last season uh, with Sochi, 20 points in 27 games as a 17-year-old. Or as, excuse me, he was as, well, yeah, 17, 18-year-old season. Um it's it's insane. It's insane that they're not playing him or not loaning him back out. And especially too, you would think 
and maybe this, maybe I'm just totally wrong here on how people would view things, but I would want to treat, like, if I was the club that was bringing up a lot of these younger talents, I would want to treat them well. Because you get to spotlight them as a young kid and say, come watch our guy. Yeah. He goes to the NHL. And then much like Pavel Datsuk and so many others, they can come back when they're older and then you can capitalize on their fame that they had in North America and say, our, our guy's back. Let's yeah, celebrate him in the twilight it's of his short career. Sighted. It's short-sighted as hell if that's what's going on. Right. So it's just, it's one of those weird things. I'm really intrigued to kind of follow along with this. I know a lot of people who don't like the Flyers are like, yes, good, good. <laughs> Sit yeah, him. Know. But no, it's just... Uh, I, I hope he gets the proper amount of playing time that he should because for all intents and purposes, if this kid was Slovakian, he probably would have been the second overall pick. <laughs> it's just it just really seems to be that Russian factor. Yeah. So, he's in a he's in a bit of a tough spot. But again, I'm sure uh certainly I will be and I know you know the hockey world in general will be following along um with his development throughout this season. I mentioned the PWHL, and I wanted to quickly talk about this because we are now starting to get word about uh, some of the signings heading into their inaugural season coming up. Um, some big names off to Montreal, um, headlined by Marie-Philippe Poulain, which I'm not really surprised that she ended up in Montreal. I mean, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's almost been too perfect how some of these signings have lined up. Um, so I don't know if there's any kind of funny business going on with how it's lined up or if it's just like these teams realize like we need that player. Yeah. Um, because Montreal getting Marie-Philippe Plan is perfect. Toronto getting Sarah Nurse is perfect for them. The Boston franchise getting Hillary Knight, which I am so fucking excited about, um, formerly of the Boston Pride. And she's going to be back playing uh, in Boston as kind of the the mainstay there. They also got Megan Keller on the team. Like we're starting to kind of see, you know, again, each team kind of get their own star players or group of star players, which I think is, is kind of perfect. And then in a way, um, what they've decided to do with their draft is interesting. Players must declare for the draft to be eligible for this upcoming season. Um, they are essentially not allowing people to be like, nope, I'm staying out of the draft and handpicking where I want to go because they are trying to make the league as balanced as possible yeah, through smart. this draft, which I like instead of it's just being like, oh, well, uh, this team's stacked and they just run the table. Like They need this to be a competitive, competitive yeah. league, at least as much as it can be. Yeah. So, like I said, it's a busy, busy month for them. They do have the uh, draft coming up later this month. Um, I haven't seen anything in regards to Ottawa or Minnesota in regards to... Um, well, actually, in fairness, yeah, Ottawa actually just announced today um, who was signing there. Um, the general managers are being named for the teams. Like, a lot is happening in a uh, really a very short amount of time. Uh, but that draft is on September 18th, just 10 days away. And again, they're going to be starting play this January. So I am, uh, I'm excited. Minnesota has the uh, number one pick. It's a snake. By the way, how do you feel about this? Then it's a snake draft. So Minnesota has 
has the first pick the of first, round one and, and then, then does the not 12th? pick again until the, yep, the end of round two. Yeah, that's cool. Uh, yeah, through uh, 15 rounds, technically. So I don't know, man. I'm excited and I'm just I'm 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 rooting for this so badly, especially, too, because I, we've said it on the show before. The Hillary Knights of the world, who is now in her early to mid 30s, she needs to be the last generation and, and her generation, the Maria Fluplans of the world. They need to be the last ones to have gone through this bullshit with these yeah. leagues. Like, really, like the, the Haley Wickenheiser era should have probably been the last era to have to go through this nonsense of like, well, shit, where the hell are we playing? Where's the what's the goal as a professional women's hockey player aside from the Olympics? Um, hopefully this is finally it. Please. <laughs> it should be. Aside from that. Um, you know, what's funny. I had somebody ask on Twitch the other night. So did you guys get back to State of Decay 2? <laughs> and the answer is yes, we did. We uh, completed the, the the game on uh, on base difficulty. There's five difficulty settings, so you can imagine the difficulty scale. Um, and we went up by two? Yeah, to Nightmare or something. Jesus Christ. Or Dread, I forget which one it was. <laughs> it's so much fun, man. Ugh. If you want to have fun with friends, I highly recommend State of the K2. It is available through Game Pass, and it's just that idea of, man, if you want to live in that scavenge for practically nothing because everything's been taken, got to fight off the hordes of zombies at a time, they'll just break into your base and try to kill you. It's, it's wonderfully fun. And, yeah, uh, I've, been, I've been loving when we upped the difficulty immediately. Like, you just felt it. Like everything was like just harder, harder to find stuff. I mean, people were like <laughs> juggernaut or yeah, juggernaut, right? Yeah. Was breaking into our base. <laughs> like I was like, oh yeah, this is this is this is uh, it's a definitely a couple steps up, and I like it like that. Like I think it, it definitely. Definitely gave a better feel to it because before it was just we were just fucking around. There's no danger of dying. I felt like when we were playing like on that lower difficulty, especially with four people. And then you and I were playing. I think we took out one plague heart, just two of us on that difficulty, and we both almost yeah. died. Right. <laughs> and then you almost died several times by running over a bloater, <laughs> just laying in the middle of the road. <sighs> it is such such a fun game. Um, mm-hmm. I wanted to bring that up, though, as kind of the transition into our final topic here before we get into viewer questions to round this out. Uh, And that is more NHL 24 conversation from video game to video game here, because today, uh, Friday, September the 8th, was a a big day in regards to updates in regards to uh, NHL 24. I'm going to keep saying the word regards as I nearly lost my train of thought there. But uh, they put out a gigantic uh, blog posts detailing a whole bunch of changes in the aftermath of the community play test. It's a beta. <laughs> Basically the same thing. Uh, we will be, at least I will be using the term beta. God damn it. Um, I wanted to go through these and kind of get your thoughts on this as well. I was tempted to put out a video, but I'm like, I want to talk. I want to bounce this off and see if like, okay, do I feel this way? Do you feel differently? Yeah, yeah. And see if there's that kind of middle ground to find there. Uh, Obviously, in the past, at the end of August, they announced that they were bringing back hybrid controls for players and giving the option for the goalie controls to go back to the way they were while still leaving people with the option of using the new tethered system. 
I don't really see a fault there. I mean, again, the hybrid controls, the biggest beneficiaries of that are people uh, with physical disabilities who might not be able to play the game otherwise because of a complicated control scheme. So I give them all the credit in the world for that. The goalie controls, hey, at least now people can choose. Again, I still think people would have found it to be all right had they given it a little bit more time. Yeah. But in regards to the, see, I told you I was going to keep saying that, the sustained pressure system and the tuning. One of the biggest aspects in, of the, I guess, uh, the play test and the complaints uh, that stood out, the idea of just how effective puck possession was in filling up that meter. Uh, they have now tuned that down by 30%. Quote, we have lowered the impact that possessing the puck in the offensive zone has with regards to building up the pressure. The value of possessing the puck has been lowered by 30%, with shots on net and big hits in the offensive zone now being strengthened as the best way to build sustained pressure. Sounds good to me. Yeah. Good <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah, I, I I didn't mind it how it was before. I think, yeah, it could it, you could argue it went up too slowly. I think the, the biggest thing was that it didn't decay fast enough when you cleared the puck. And mm. I think that was the biggest hindrance because it was more easy to snowball. But, uh they did make a change to that as well, which I'm sure you're talking about in a sec. But yeah, like I, I'm, I'm, I'm fine with it. Yeah, I don't, I don't think possession itself should be what gets it up. I think you know, passing, shooting, forechecking, hard hitting guys. That those are things that should crank it. That should like really have the biggest effect on it. And I think they did a great thing. They didn't just take away that having possession in the zone does it. They tuned it down, which I think is important. Because, you know, you can't just make those huge, huge changes to this thing that you created, which is objectively good. I don't care what anyone says. It's an objectively good feature. And if you don't like it, it's a fucking skill issue. Or you're playing like 1v1 or 3s, which why are you doing that to yourself? Yeah. Uh, The other (laughs) change in regards to that pressure system, uh, the decay rate of the meter has been increased by 100%. Uh, Quote, the new tuning sees the meter decay faster once the puck is cleared outside of the defensive zone by the defending team. This creates a more authentic field of sustained pressure as the offensive team must keep a consistent attack in the ozone to activate full pressure. Again, I think good. You know, that idea of clearing the puck means a lot more. Just flip it out sometimes, yeah. And I wonder, and I hope, yeah, I, I, I like... Their dump thing, I think it was a little too feathery and too nerfed, the new dumping system. I would like to see it in between what it was in the beta and what it was last season. Because, like, Mm. in the last one, if you, like, flipped it out from your own end, it could, like, go down for icing. So I think you want to be able to just flip it to center ice. Like, think Florida Panthers in the playoffs where they just flip it to center ice, clear the pressure, and maybe pick it up and get a rush back the other way. You know, that should be, like, a go-to to to just, like, get, you know, relieve the pressure in your own end. If you're able to get possession, you just want to flip it out. It just really puts more emphasis on getting to loose pucks, forechecking for the offense, and then just, you know, flipping it out for the defense. And now they're actually going to be rewarded for that with that faster decay. It's good. And it's going to just completely disrupt the meta of, oh, if you get a turnover in your end, you're, you can take it on for a, a rush back the other way, full speed, everyone. You may even get an odd man rush depending on where that puck was turned over, which was it's so silly in NHL 23 when you think about it. The other complaint that I've seen that people are like, how didn't you fix this was the idea of like, there's a red rectangle on the ice. Give me the ability to turn that off. And I'm like, we're just going to complain no matter what, aren't we? Yeah. Just the idea of like, oh, there's a red rectangle on the ice. It's like, that's yeah, not Yeah, tells you stuff. Have you watched <laughs> what the fucking sport looks like on TV? 
the animated boards, the logos, you know, where like the old playoff logo used to be, how that changes to a different brand's logo every time they change zones. Come on now. Let's not be ridiculous here and be like, that's unrealistic. Like, watch a hockey game right now and realize what it looks like. Uh, the other big aspect, of course, of the game is tied in with the pressure system. It is the goalie fatigue system. Uh, and there are four noted changes in regards to this. Uh, the first being that goalies recover uh, when the puck exit the exits the defensive zone. Well, previously, goalies would only regenerate their energy during active play when the puck crossed over the opposing team's blue line. This resulted in the goalie remaining tired for too long and throwing too many desperation saves. We've changed this to now uh, to now by having goalies start to recover immediately when the puck exits the zone, which, again, good change. Yeah. The fatigue meter is now always visible as well for goaltenders. Um Actually, in a general sense, to create a better overall understanding of the state of goalie fatigue during gameplay, the respective fatigue meter will be visible at all times. This will enable players to attack and defend better based on always knowing the relevant state of their goaltender's fatigue. Which, again, I think is great. Like, if your goalie's tired, you're going to want to turtle up a little bit more. But if you know he has that stamina, yeah, you're probably okay to attack because he's not going to end up getting this desperation save because, again, he is tired and having to make that extra effort for a high difficulty save goalie attributes have been increased uh, or have increased impact on drain and recovery we've increased the impact that a goalie's respective attributes have on both energy drain and recovery this means breaking down a higher rated goalie will be more difficult as opposed to a lower rated goalie as they'll recover energy faster and fatigue more slowly again yeah. for in theory this is the big one for ultimate team versus yeah, yeah. franchise. I was just going to say, that's more pro. of a 1v1 thing, yeah. Or, yeah, be a pro, too. I'm, oh, I cannot wait to try be a pro with the pressure system, man. Like, I'm so excited. I don't even care that there's, like, not too many changes made to the mode itself or any at all. Um, just because the gameplay has been so drastically changed, I think it's so <laughs> fresh. Like, oh, the hitting. Oh, it's so good. <laughs> well, they have made changes to that. We'll get to it in a second. Uh, the last goalie thing was that goalies are now more stable when rested. Goalies have been tuned to be more stable and positional when above 50% energy. This means you'll see fewer desperation saves overall when a goalie is in what is deemed a reasonable rested state, which I don't disagree with it. You know, I, I think, again, it's that idea of like you really do want those desperation saves to come out when the goalie is overly tired, not when yeah. he's kind of tired. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because that was resulting in a few too many examples of, especially AI goalies flopping around in that uh, tech test there. So again, through two sections so far, knocking it out of the park in regards to the changes that they are making. That brings us to their physics based contact changes. First and foremost, big checks deal slightly more stamina damage. Any big checks that are landed during gameplay will add more stamina damage to the target player and bringing into play the longer recovery get-up states. So heads up. You try to straight-line somebody and you get leveled on the boards, you have to pay for it now. You're not just going to be able to get up, get the puck back immediately, and keep going full speed. The other like change. It. Yeah, I was going to say, I, I leave it open for you at some point to uh, to step in. But at the same time, I also know that you've read over this so far, too. And it's yeah. it's the idea of, like, there's nothing to disagree with so far. 
the second thing in regards to the physics, player size carries more impact on reverse hit outcomes. Um, player size now factors more predominantly into the reverse hits that connect during a game. Smaller players will be far less likely to run through a larger player due to a size mismatch, where a larger player will be far more likely to run over a smaller player, which again... That's what you should have, the positives and the negatives to running a smaller build with more speed or a bigger build with more size and being able to utilize yeah. that properly. Because <laughs> I would run like – because before when hitting was based more – like there was, just, there was a little bit of a size effect, but it was really based on what felt like speed, which is yeah. why you saw guys you know running people over at the blue line starting way back near the hash marks to get a running start and coming out of nowhere it seemed. But yeah, because I would run people over with like a 5-7 sniper. Like yeah. it was just – like silly it, it kind of was silly <laughs> and we saw it too in in the games that we cast and i think particularly Afe used to do that constantly with his mm -hmm. tiny sniper build he knew how to work it so well that he would run people over like from certain angles and mm -hmm. like with certain speed it was and funny as hell to watch huh and then he'd hit people on the counter because he had yeah. that speed to build. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. So I think, yeah, I think if if you're going to call it a physics-based contact system, yeah, size should be definitely taken into account because that's a real big factor. Performing a reverse hit results in some slowdown. We've added a slowdown event that occurs when any reverse hit is thrown during gameplay to provide more balance to the mechanic. This will address the issue where a player can reverse hit or defender and then continue at full speed up the ice. That was silly, yeah. Another positive change. And then uh, hip checks in low speed situations. The relative speed of both the puck carrier and the defensive player throwing the hip check will now be taken into consideration in these game situations, resulting in less dramatic hip checks during slower pace of play moments. That's another thing I think that needed to be changed. Um, I saw quite a few examples of somebody back checking, going into a hip check and barely tapping the guy's leg and still knocking him over. Yeah. yeah. Um, it was obvious. Slight, slight uh, tweaking, tuning was needed there, and we have it. Um, the only other thing um, in regards to the checking and the physics, and I have totally lost what it was, but there was something else that I saw people kind of mention in regards to this that they either hadn't addressed yet or they didn't address it to the kind of extent that people thought it, it should be. But at a, at a base level... I'm perfectly fine with this. I think it keeps the checking system as a very strong defensive tool. And at the same time, offensively, there are ways to counteract it. Like the players who are very, very good with the speedy and more agile builds that will be able to avoid the checks are going to make people look fucking foolish. That's just a fact. And then the people who are very, very good at utilizing a bigger build, like I do think this makes... It, while I don't necessarily think it'll become a thing at an esports level, it does make bigger builds more uh, more usable in a yeah. general sense, uh, potentially in a high-end situation as well. I mean, again, we'll kind of see what's going to happen. Meta, the the meta will form itself. Like, there's going to be a meta. I, I, you always hope for the day where there is no discernible meta, but that's never going to be a thing because everyone, there's someone's going to figure out something and right. you know figure out a way to be most efficient. And, and that's honestly, sometimes it's it may not even be the most efficient. It's just that someone starts doing it. They get good results. Other people start comp copying and then it's mm -hmm. the meta. Like we, we've made crazy things work like that aren't meta. But we, we ran 
a whole team of enforcers. We mm-hmm. played some people in uh, one of the leagues that we had been in at some point who were like combined group of some of the most decent people in that league. And we fucking raffle stomped them with mean <laughs> builds. Like uh. <laughs> max size enforcers, man. They can yeah. be fun. They can be effective because of the reach. Primarily. Yeah. The reach, like, crushing people and we we're for- able to forecheck and maintain possession it was it was so much fun it's one of those things where kind of like you mentioned metas in games a competitive game will always form it does yeah. not matter if it's nhl if it's madden if it's a shooter there will always be meta uh, mm-hmm. builds meta tactics in these games that's just the way it works and that's why so often in games like call of duty or battlefield you'll see the meta change throughout the game's lifetime because they're like, oh shit, that gun's too strong. Okay, this one's the good one now. Like, that's just yeah. what happens. Um, and they have taken um, that into mind as well uh, with the next two sections. The first one being the lacrosse deke has changed. And this was one that I recall telling people, hey, calm down, they're fixing it. I recall other people in the the game changers the design council telling people to calm the hell down but people still freak the fuck out um the lacrosse deke's effectiveness has been changed as it is now more directly tied to the deking ability than an individual build has Mm -hmm. Um, so again you will not in the launch of this game be able to michigan with Ryan Reeves like you would be able to with Trevor Zegras, as hilarious as that is. And, yeah, like, no shit, right? Like, I get that it's still controversial in a sense to say, okay, you can hit the Michigan with one button. I get that other people want it to be more of a skill thing. At the same time, I saw Eki post a, a clip on Twitter today about uh, the... He hit, he hit a Zegras flip um, when he was, um, I think, re- uh, capturing footage in Vancouver. And someone responded with, like, what's that even doing in the game? That's not real hockey. And, again, it's one of those things where it's like, what are you What are you watching? The Michigan is a part of hockey. The flip over the net is a part of hockey. It was a part of hockey when it was a part of the NHL 06 intro video. But it just wasn't being it. done at the highest level like it is now. And Trevor Zegers hit that fucking move in the game. What was it, Sonny Milano that scored on yep. it, I think? Like, yeah. it, it is a part of the thing. Like I said, I get that people might want it to be more difficult, but at the same time, as we talked about on other editions of this show, the game is going to be more tuned towards an offensive side of things. It's going to be more tuned towards highlight real goals because, again, most people want to be able to replicate the goals that are scored in real life, not the... Oh, that team did so great holding the other team to a 17-shot effort and they got the shutout? That's not often what people fucking talk about. But we all, I think, remember how the video of Trevor Zegras scoring the Michigan took off on Twitter. That thing got millions of views. When's the last time a 17-save shutout was the talk of fucking social media? You know? It's just the way it is. The Michigan needed to be changed in NHL 24, and it is. I don't see a problem with it at this stage. No, I'm one of the biggest proponents for wanting defenders to have more tools and defenders being not given enough love because I've said it all the time. Kids want to be able to deke through entire teams. The good news is they can't do that anymore. Like you can't 
it's because they're they're trending it more towards a team game as it should be. You can still do deeks. You can still have those highlight real plays. But to get into those positions, it takes it's a lot harder to do because one of the big reasons is, well, the new hitting system. But defenders have a hell of a lot more tools now. We can use stick lift again. They're fixing poke check so it doesn't slow you down into quicksand when you do it once. And you can now have battles in front of the net again. Like you can bump people in front of the net. It's no longer (laughs) an automatic interference penalty as it was last year, which is frustrating as fuck to me because – that was like my one of the best ways to defend the front of the net. I want to say NHL 20 was the last time you were allowed to do it, or maybe 21. And then it was 22 and 23 where it was an automatic interference penalty. And that was the best way I was disrupting people from trying to get deflections or screening the goaltender or getting one timers. Like when you that's a good that was such a good way to disrupt the force. I was so good at predicting when that pass was coming or when the guy was going to circle the net that I was just able to shove the guy who was in front, they'd pass it and go through everyone because he, he was off balance and he couldn't receive the buck. That's back. Like, you can do that stuff again. As a defender, y- y- while the pressure system's there, it's balanced and all the deeks, it's balanced by you having more tools and be given a hell of a lot more leeway than we were in the past. Intercepts are still tricky, but guess what? You can still bump a guy. So I'm going to be doing that a hell of a lot. I got to try to get back into that habit of just trying to bump people before they receive passes and stuff because it's a great way to play defense. Great way play to the body, not the puck. <laughs> How often have you heard that if you played hockey all the time? That was the other aspect of uh, complaints that I had heard was the idea of people get so used in the offensive zone to being able to just hit up on the right stick when a puck was loose to try and get the shot off quickly. Uh, and yeah, now, yeah, yeah. unless you have it, you're going to throw a check and people I think are mad. Some people at least are mad that that is not a, uh, a change that was highlighted here. I don't view it as a big deal because adapt man. Like I took one penalty like that in the tech test and then never took one again because I made sure that my guy had the puck before hitting up on the stick to shoot it. Can be tough for spammers, though, like me, especially for one-timers, and I'm playing on 80 ping. But I haven't run into that issue. Maybe it's because I'm on the point, and there's no one near me, so I'm not going to throw the hand animation. Mm. But when I've gotten one-timers, it's been fine. But yeah, I don't know. I, I, I know some – Eki in particular had, had been – like, yeah, Eki was mentioning. But he was mentioning a lot about one-timers, how he just missed it and stuff like that. So I don't know. I think in, I think it's can be unrealistic to say you have to time it perfectly. So I think that there could be something put in there. I don't know. I think it's one of those things that's like, let's see the effect that it has on the gameplay at launch. Right? And then maybe it is something that needs to be changed over time. But like I said, I mean, at least for me personally, and it's not like I'm the super high-end player. I'm good at the game. I'm not great at the game. I'm not esports level. But it's one of those things where it's like, oh, I made the mistake once and then adjusted. And that's me playing as a centerman who is a grinder in front of net trying to score those type of goals. It's just one of those things where it's like, okay, I think I, I think we can stop trying to find every little thing to complain about and say, okay, the big things were changed. Maybe I can try to adjust. Maybe. Some people will never have that attitude, though. In terms of X-Factor tuning, there was one big one. Close quarters has been nerfed. They have reduced the distance required to activate close quarters from 30 to 20 feet. 
They have reduced the accuracy bonus of close quarters by 50% and reduced the accuracy bonus of the close quarters superstar ability, so the silver, by 75%. Wow. That's a huge fucking nerf, and honestly... Needed it. Rightfully so. Yeah, needed it. Like, it, it was just make it so goalies wouldn't get animations. Yeah. Like, it, yeah. I'm not I'm not upset to see them finally make that change. And it's funny, of course, because people are like, oh, you nuked it too much. And it's like people have been complaining for three years about this being the most overpowered fucking ability. And then you change it. And then people are like, no, not like that. Not that much. Now I'm going to have to try something different. You. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of something different, uh, the goaltending, uh, the human goaltending system, the tethering system. Uh, they've increased the tether distance, so a human goalie using the tether controls now has an expanded area to move within the control set. Uh, they've increased the movement range from 3 feet to 5 feet, allowing for more ability to cut down angles and uh, giving a general overall freedom of movement. Uh, they have also increased the instinct boost when correct. So when a goalie guesses correctly, they'll receive a higher boost to their respective save probability, and they have also removed the penalty when you guess incorrectly. So oh. if you guess, yeah. So that's, that's the one for me where I'm like, huh? Because initially I thought the system was going to work as in you guess correctly, you get the bonus. But if you guess incorrectly, you, you know, it, it lessens your chance to make the save risk reward. But essentially what it's going to act as now is a boost. And then if you guess incorrectly, if you're still in good position, you can still make the save. Which I don't hate. Um, in theory, because there is no negative side to trying it, it should make, much to some people's chagrin, good human goalies even better. But then that's where the team play aspect comes in with the fatigue system. Yeah, yeah. So that's going to be a big change. Uh, they've also reduced the fatigue impact on human goalies. Uh, they have softly or slightly softened the over uh, fatigue impact on human goalies. So basically, there is going to be more of an incentive to play with human goalies. Uh, they should be better than AI goalies. At least good human goalies <laughs> will be. Um, again, I'm very intrigued to see, too, especially what do most goalies go with? Do they still just go with the old system or do we see a lot of goalies try this new system, especially after these changes? going to be an aspect of the game especially from the esports scene yeah. um that's very interesting two more things here well two more little sections the poke check this might be the most controversial one uh the community feedback they were given was that the poke check has become too difficult to use based on the new tuning changes for 24 now when i poke check not only do i recover sl more slowly but i incur a speed loss which allows the puck carrier to easily blow by me if the poke check fails as a result, they have tuned back the speed loss that was added uh, back to the tuning that it had with NHL 23. I don't think this was necessary. I don't. Um, I know it was somewhat of a popular complaint that missing that first poke check was harsh. But at the same time, I liked the fact that it should be difficult. Like I, I view it as a skill gap the best defenders in the game were going to be the ones that were able to time that initial poke perfectly, 
and not get beat to the outside, especially now that they have checking in their arsenal as well. Um, I I don't mind. I I think uh, what happens on like uh, pokes after the 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 first one. Like I wouldn't mind that uh, that that speed thing taking effect on like the second or third poke. That would prevent yeah. spamming. Like right, and you That's don't what want they're spamming. Aiming to do. That's yeah. The, and, okay, so I, I think yeah, the first one shouldn't really hinder you at all if you miss it. And I think when starting on like the second one or something like that, that's when you could you know start taking those massive speed uh, speed losses and stuff like that. Because again, yeah, like I just don't. I think to, for as to play to play defense, it's already so much harder just based on how the game's tuned so you can't i don't think giving back defensemen certain tools you're going to start making you're going to fall into that issue again where it's like okay well now no one's going to poke because why do that when you could stick lift or hit so i think defensemen need to be able to use all of their tools and then from there you kind of balance it there should still be you know obviously downsides with the hitting there's a downside you go for a big hit and you miss you're out of position you look like a fool you know, if you if you poke check from a bad angle or too too far away, you can high stick or slash someone. Uh, you know, with, with the poke, it was just like I think that's too harsh a penalty for the for trying to use it in like just once. Like, because I, right. I I found myself really not using it. I did find a workaround though. If you didn't use poke check and instead did skill stick and a small little sweep of your stick, it wouldn't slow you down. So mm-hmm. I figured that out, and I was using that little trick a lot, and that and it works better too because sometimes when you poke, the puck just stays there. So when you sweep with your stick, that's how much I played freaking defense. Is when you sweeped it, when you swept it away, the puck would usually go further, and you would maintain more of your speed as well. Right. No, that's fair. That's fair. Like I said, I don't think it was necessary, but at the same time, as long as they do have that balance to help prevent poke spam, because I think that's how a lot of people read into this was like, oh, God, is poke spam really going to be super, super prevalent again? Uh, which hopefully not. Um, and then the final two things was just Breaking tuning down. Yeah. <laughs> the final two things were tuning down how often the nets come off the moorings and how often the glass breaks. I know from an online perspective, people are still just like turn it off in general uh, because people... If, if or just make it not stop play. At least the glass breaking. It shouldn't stop play. It's just cracked. It's not like the glass shatters. Yeah, I mean, I get it from a realistic perspective as to why. Like, oh, the glass broke. We got to stop it. Like yeah, I said, I, people online, from an online perspective have that standpoint of like there should be nothing. Like again, the reason why presentation is what it is right now and is so minimalistic is online. It's that idea of the feedback that they had gotten. Not just from esports people, YouTubers and streamers, but in general, because people have to remember uh, they get feedback from a variety of different places, not just the online community. What games have turned into is that idea of the less loading that I have to sit through, the less times I have to hit A to get to the gameplay. That's the way to go, because that's the way other games have gone. They followed suit. Does it suck for somebody like me who loves the full presentation? Yeah. Of course, I want to get that full immersive atmosphere of these intros. I want the fucking lineups to be shown. I want the fucking national anthems back. But at the end of the day, I, I do feel like people like me are probably in the minority. And then, yeah, like it's good it's for that, a single player experience, but it doesn't really yeah. belong online because most people right. don't give a fuck online. You're just trying to play as many games as possible. 
Right. And at the same time, it's like, okay, cool. Well, they can take the time and resources to add that back in. What does that take precedence over in terms of what they're going to add in? And yeah, even for me, it's like if you're like, hey, would I want cross-platform roster sharing, franchise changes, beta pro changes, or uh, this presentation switch? It's like, well, obviously, it's not going to be the latter. But overall, the good thing is I think they have made fair, balanced changes and I do still think NHL 24 is on a good track here to yeah. be the best game of the last two console generations. Like again, 100%. I'm still someone that thinks NHL 14, which is held up by a lot of people as like the, the grail. It's overhyped. It's over. It is overhyped. But the reason why it's overhyped is because it was a good game, and we haven't seen too many yeah. good games since then. Yeah, um, like I, I and I know I'm, I, I maybe it's unfair you're comparing it to like the gameplay now. But like some people claim that it's better than the gameplay. Now I'm like, it simply isn't. I like the pace of game better. It's 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 quite a bit slower. Like play play a game of NHL 23 and then play a game of NHL fucking 14. You're gonna feel like you're skating in the quicksand. Like mm. it's it's pretty nuts. But uh, I like the pace of game. But I mean, it just yeah. Like the the AI was atrocious. Um, it, it's great for nostalgia. I had a fun time playing it for the bit of time I did. But like, yeah. I don't know. It's just, eh. yeah, it's, it's, it's the nostalgia. And I think the, the, the bias of what game came directly after that for the new gen, when the Xbox one came out and NHL 15 was this bare bones thing. While it had decent gameplay. It had nothing else. Yeah. <laughs> and not to talk about that game again. Um, NHL 24, less than, uh, less than a month I can't away, wait, dude. Like I have such a good feeling about the game, and I think it caters directly to what I like to do, which is four check. I can't like again. I can't fucking wait to play Be a Pro. Like it'll mm. be my first complete Be a Pro series since like I can't remember the last time NHL nineteen or twenty probably. Yeah, maybe, like, t- maybe twenty one. I don't have plans to do anything Ultimate Team related, but I am very heavily like obviously franchise is going to be there. We're going to play a lot of a lot of Eshel as we Hell do. Yeah. Um, I might, I might even dip my toes into the be a pro landscape this time out, depending on how the AI gameplay. Feels. I don't know if I've ever mentioned it here, but did you know my be a pro videos used to fucking blow my franchise videos out of the water view wise? Yeah. I used to be a be a pro guy, like primarily like NHL 17 and 18 was like, <laughs> and it's time to return to those days. Yeah. Cause I honestly, at times I enjoy it more because for freaking franchise that, Unless you're giving yourself challenges, it, it gets redundant after a while. That is fair. So with that, let's get into uh, however many yeah, viewer, viewer questions, questions you can you can stomach here. We have quite a few at this all stage, and again, uh, as always, we normally start off the show with these, but you know, again, hey, we change things up this time. But as always, the link to the Discord is in the description. Whether or not you're watching us on the YouTube side of things. Or listening on your audio platform of choice and uh well here we go we start off with one wheelchair hulk who are the most surprising players still on the free agent market which let which uh allowed me to go and look at like oh who is on the free agent market Domish. Da da. he's the biggest one really like him and patrick kane are the two biggest names that are still out there. Tatar is a bigger surprise than Kane. Um, Phil Kessel, Zach Parise, Jonathan Taves. Those don't surprise. Yeah, no, actually, yeah, Kane and, or uh, sorry, 
Kessel and whoever the hell else you said. Was it before that? Not Parise. Did you say before Kessel? Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Parise. Those two don't surprise me as much. Maybe Parise a little bit because he's a great role player at this point. But they're kind of towards the end of their careers, you know. Mm. Probably uh, want a, a severance package. Nick Ritchie, Paul Stashney, Nick Ritchie, <laughs> Max Comtois. Really? Yes, he pulled the RV, but he's Man. coming off of I think another double hip surgery. Remember, Comtois was supposed to be this great young gun. Now he's a UFA, not signed. I don't think there's any really surprising names that are out there. I think it's a lot of veterans where it's like, you know, Tatar surprises me the most, I think. Because for a while there, everyone's going after his ass at the trade deadline. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I mean, he, you know, is a pretty consistent, I mean, close to, I mean, 15, 20 goal guy. You know, 48 points last year, not that far removed from 60 with Montreal. So, yeah, it's just one of those things where I'm not all that surprised. But a lot of the other options are guys that are kind of veterans. And you'd think that these teams would want to check the uh, the youth out first to see, oh, um, can that guy make the team? And, oh, if he can't, well, then cool. Let's let's bring in uh, Derek Broussard and see if he is a is a better yeah. fit for the team. So yeah, outside of Thomas Tatar, it's nothing um too crazy. One second here. My goodness, sorry, the dog was barking and I didn't know if uh was up. From RG Dust. What's taking so long with releasing the 2018 Team Canada report? So I didn't mention this in regards what? to What was that? I said, "What?" <laughs> Don't you stone cold me. Ridiculous. Uh, I didn't mention this in regards to like our NHL section because there just there still isn't anything to say. Apparently there was the internal investigation. Now oh, the, that 2018. I thought I thought they're talking about like an Olympic era. No. So yeah, this is the what the hell happened? Are people going to get prosecuted for this? Mm, this yep. was supposed to come out at the beginning of the summer. It is now September. I guess there was the um, initial, like, oh, the initial investigation. Now it's a a police investigation that's active and ongoing. Obviously, any time one of the met, like Carter Hart, um, privated his Instagram, and people are just like, oh, well, there you go, something's gonna come out. He was involved, and or that, and the Flyers are gonna cut ties. It's just. That's the thing that sucks about this is I understand people wanting answers and wanting to know, but at the same time, we don't fucking know yet. And I get that it's frustrating with the idea of this was supposed to be out by now, but clearly they're doing their due diligence in terms of researching this and wanting yeah. to make sure that it's that they get it right. Um, and the reason why I say that is a name that comes to mind for me um, is Matt Ariza, uh, who was a punter for the Buffalo Bills. And a civil suit came out uh, that accused him and others um, in a sexual assault. Um, I think technically you could use stronger terms than that. Um, within a couple of days, he was released by the team. 
And then after a criminal investigation in which no charges were filed, uh, they discovered he wasn't even there in terms of whatever happened. Like, for if something did happen, for sure, this guy was not involved. And now a year later, he's still waiting to see if he's going to get another job. He's 23 years old. Who was that again? Uh, Matt Ariza. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. Who, again, was the, the punter for the Bills. Um, you need to make sure you get something like this right. Yeah. And obviously, it's a terrible fucking situation for the people involved, uh, the the victims of this. And again, you don't want to end up in a set of circumstances where someone gets mislabeled as a perpetrator and then they become a victim in this for being wrongly accused of something that will, and in most cases does actively ruin your career. Um, it's just a matter of waiting, man. And the thing is, if people were involved and did what they are accused of doing... Yeah, they're going to be out of the league. In the meantime, it does suck that, you know, it's like you, you are left as a fan thinking, hey, what happens? This guy went over and played in Switzerland. He must have been involved. And it's like, you just, you don't know. So all you can do at this point is sit and wait. And this is um, probably the last time we're going to bring it up until we actually have the findings of said investigations. From Bouncy McBoink Boink, what's an NHL city that is still currently hosting a team that in retrospect maybe should not have brought an NHL team to that city? None of them. Yeah. Winnipeg, yeah. maybe. Sorry, but it's going to be a Canada city because they're smaller. <laughs> there's There's a hell of a lot more potential for growth in America. I mean, the two that obviously come to mind are the Arizona Coyotes and the Florida Panthers. That said, you could say uh, like, Arizona as a state should have gotten a team at some point and would have gotten a team at some point. As we talked about, it's way too big of a market. The reason why they got the team when they did is that the Canadian dollar was horrific in the mid-90s when the Jets lost the team. Um, it's the same reason why the Quebec Nordiques or at least one of the primary reasons why the Nordiques went to Colorado just before winning a Stanley Cup. Um, and then the same with Florida. Like, you could argue, like, oh, okay, you know, just to make sure they had a better arena situation long term. But when they first moved, they were in a decent spot. Um, and then, obviously, there was the split to where they no longer shared the arena with the Miami Heat. Um, but outside of, of instances like that where you could say they would have been a little bit better insulated from potential failure there isn't a team right now for me where it's like nope that city it shouldn't have a team i think yeah. that you could argue like okay are there are like okay do you need two teams in florida should the florida panthers be in oklahoma city or kansas city maybe but at the same time i i don't yeah, I don't really view it. I mean, that would be the same thing as being like, oh, Buffalo, I mean, you're close enough to Toronto. Just go over the bridge. It's like, no, the city of Buffalo deserves a hockey team, too. Yeah, I don't know. This is... Um, yeah, I, it's, it's I, just... Pretty much most teams have a good amount of success, especially when they're successful as a franchise. Like, and in in places, I know Canadians are always like, well, look at we're just successful all the time. That's the only fucking sport that you got there, besides Toronto. Who the hell else has multiple like other sports there? Not including the CFL, of course. <laughs> that doesn't count. Yeah, you got thirteen men. We have a longer field. You have fun. Enjoy. Um, 
talking about major yeah, like, sports here even like columbus it's like dude their know, fan base is pretty nuts like they're, they're exactly their fan base they're, is they're huge. selling out when they're trash like that's that's impressive yeah. for columbus like this one of those you know terrible places that was a terrible place to go in middle america you know quote unquote right. it's like here's a college town for ohio state and then outside of that it's like oh god but you know then they ended up getting the columbus crew mls team in the mid 90s and then you get the blue jackets i mean what are you gonna argue at best it's like oh they should have been in cincinnati to be tied in with the bengals i get like yeah there isn't a single team for me that comes to mind where it's like nope it, it, they should have gone somewhere else so i'm with you on that from Tomas, what's more likely in the next five years, a Canadian team winning the cup or Donald Trump getting reelected? Jesus Christ. What's more likely, they said? Yeah. Donald Trump getting reelected? Yeah. <laughs> That's, That's way more fucking likely. Sorry. Oof. Like, I don't see a Canadian team realistically threatening up, that son. hard. Wake up. Sorry. <laughs> okay. Nice. Oh, God. Uh, I, I wasn't sure whether or not to answer this one because it's kind of depressing, but yeah, no, it's very you depressing, are right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, even you if know, he goes to jail, he won't go to jail. And even yeah. if he, you know, he's not eligible for to actually run by law, he'll still run. There'll be a workaround. You know, powerful and rich people don't go by the same rules as the rest of us. So that's way, way more likely that workarounds will matter. He's still got way big of a base and the Democrats are intent on running the worst piece of shit that they can. So Minnesota. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's one of those things like, okay, realistically could a Canadian team win a Stanley cup? Yes. Um, you know, you're looking at Toronto or Edmonton right now as the, the leaders in that regard, but every single year you have a one in 32 chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and can the Canadian teams just have less of a chance than non-Canadian teams because there's less of them. Exactly. Um, whereas in this uh, lovely country of ours, at least at the moment, um, cult of personalities are, are a thing. The cults of personalities are a thing. And uh, that is one of them. So never, never underestimate it. Yeah. I have no idea what the fuck this next question means. If you had to choose one horse, what would it be? <laughs> if I had to choose one horse. One horse. Uh, probably the uh, Royal Destrier. It's one of the fastest horses with great charge damage. And uh, <laughs> you get it normally in Vlandia. And, uh, you know, you stack some nice chain mail or uh, armor on it or maybe some uh, lamellar plate and then you can just run wreck shop through the lines of of your enemies i Bandalord. would uh um, reference for you guys i would choose the the horse that is the reason why i stopped playing red dead 2 my main man butterscotch who, f- who fell off the railroad bridge butterscotch <laughs> <laughs> God damn it, Butterscotch, no. <laughs> that is a true story. He fell off the fucking the railroad bridge. Rip. Plummeted to his fucking death, and I haven't gone back since. Yeah. 
He and I went everywhere together. We went to <laughs> totally not Louisiana. Like it was great. <laughs> and then yeah, he died. My, my, my second answer is Frost from Skyrim. <laughs> I hope I hope you weren't looking for real horses. Yeah, if you are Brego from Lord of the Rings, who is actually Viggo Mortensen's horse. <laughs> God. Tremendous. Gotta love a horse after finds you when you've been left for dead. It's a real ride or die right there. And Butterscotch's case. He died. <laughs> he just died. He got rode and died. <sighs> from AJ, what's your biggest video game rage moment? There's a lot. I don't know. Yep. <laughs> I think my one of my biggest ones was uh you know the old Sega Genesis controllers? Mm. You know, as the cord came into the controller, mm-hmm. there was like that little like weird spiral thing that like was yeah. protecting it from blocking. I used to get mad at Sega, whatever game I was playing, I'd fucking bite that. And eventually Oof. it just like ripped open and it like exposed the wires on it and shit. <laughs> I was I was I already had the gamer rage at a young age. Yeah. Yeah, me too. Too competitive for my own good. Yeah. Um, Probably because I just got knocked off my bike in road rash. And I'm like, <laughs> trying to first place every race here. This is a loaded question because I, like, I, I'm not proud of it, but I'd be lying if I said there aren't examples. Like, that's just yeah. that's just a fact. Like, um, I broke holes in my, one of my previous desks. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> like, I, I just like, yeah. I have always been a competitive person. Um, and from like, uh, like, even like as a, as a kid, I think it was, it was like farm league baseball. I must've been like 10 and I struck out and you know, you'd fucking walk back towards the on deck circle. Like I two hands spiked the bat into the ground and someone's like, I could have bounced into someone. And I'm like, sorry. And then I just run away. Um, you know, it was always just like, ah, I fucked up. I'm mad at myself. Or, ah, this game's mechanics yeah. suck. <laughs> and I can't exploit them better than somebody else. I'm mad. Um, I mean, it's been a long time, but a couple years ago, we, we spiked a controller on stream during Madden. Um, I... God. I, I'm, I'm so much better now. Like, oh, me I... I stop myself. Like if I feel myself getting towards that place now, like mm-hmm. even close to it, I just like stop. Cause yep. I'm just like, yeah, it's not worth it. It's not healthy. Like, and so it's been such a long time since I actually had a moment like that. Yeah. I think that's why for me, I'm just like, okay, which ones are there? Cause it all just kind of like blended together as like past me. Yeah. 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 Um, a big part of that of course has been, you know, for, for three and a half years, I've lived with someone else and it's like, <laughs> Nope, I don't want her that, to hear side, me breaking shit. <laughs> that side, that side of me is gone because I would be too fucking embarrassed at 29 years old to try and justify to her. Well, you see, this in this video game happens right there. It's it's just like she's gonna look at me as less of a person. So yeah, just not even gonna deal with it. Um, yeah, yeah. There's just there's been a lot more often than not. I I was I was a thrower. TV remote, yeah. the controller, yeah. I, that it was just that that action of just fucking throwing. Yeah, something. definitely. Just, yeah, I used. Yeah, I would do that too. Yeah. So that um, 
Yeah, oh, good. you know what? I have it. I actually broke my finger once. <laughs> oh, no. Oh. oh, it was a small, like tiny, like it's not not a huge fucking fracture. It was healed in like literally weeks. They call yeah. it like a boxer's fracture. Cause like, and I didn't like really mean to punch something this hard, but like I got out of my chair and I just went to like fucking hit it. And like, cause I was like mad at it and I was going up to like take a break or get a drink or something. And it, it like was, it swung back at the same time. And when Oof. my fist connected, I wasn't like fully like ready <laughs> and <laughs> it just lit. Oh, it, like the worst pain ever. That was like, oof. I want to say that was like seven years ago. And that was when I was like, hmm, maybe I should chill out. And then it got mm. better and better and better. And now I just don't. Don't do it. Don't get. There's don't get the physical mad. pain, and then there's the embarrassments. Yeah. Of I just fucking hurt myself for. You such know how a fucking embarrassed I was making up stories at the hospital. Oh God. In a match. Like oh, we called this the boxer's fracture. What'd you hit? I'm like I didn't. Uh, door was closing. I tried to hold it open. <laughs> mm. And they're just like, uh huh, sure. Yeah, probably. God, we're going to have to get Endo's answer for that. Ask him on Twitter or on the Discord. Um, from Pence Fan, could you see 2K making an NCAA game with the old All-Pro 2K base? No. Um, that is just the sports video game landscape that we live in. Um, it just so happens that things played out the way that they did. NBA 2K won over NBA Live, and that's it. There isn't another company that is going to try to take a piece of the pie away from 2K, they do not view it as worth the risk. Baseball is the same way. MLB The Show won over MVP Baseball. Then again, MVP Baseball was dying out before MLB The Show really even took off. But MLB The Show won. 2K held on for a little bit, and then they said, ah, fuck it. We can't win. NHL. 2K was hanging in there. And then NHL hit him with the fucking death combo, like a prime Mike Tyson of fucking be a pro EASHL and ultimate team. And no one's tried since. That's just the landscape that we live in is however it played out. And then obviously with Madden, uh, they had huge competition from uh, from NFL 2K5 and then said, "Uh oh, we better get the exclusive rights. And now we're coming up on close to 20 years of only having Madden all pro uh, 2k8 was a phenomenal phenomenal game because it was that 2k football engine but they didn't have the license for the NFL and you're just not going to compete in that instance there have obviously been sports games that are not uh, licensed by the biggest league in the world but at the end of the day without that you're only going to get so far those are just the circumstances so as much as I'd love for us to get back to the point where two, three different developers have their take on a, a sports game for whatever sport it is, those days are gone, man. They just are. And it sucks because sports gamers have taken a massive hit uh, yeah. in terms of the quality that we're fed. Considering what of it. Like, initiated the death knell, it was three huge modes that are still being played. Like That was crazy innovation. Right. And yeah. and they, the EA was probably like, all right, how are we going to fucking one up these guys? How are we going to separate ourselves and crazy innovation? And, and we're likely not going to see anything that massive again, simply because the market competition isn't there. That's just, as you said, the kind of the state of things. But 
I do like the new devs and how they want to take risks and how they want to make things better. And so might not have any of those big blockbuster moments like those modes, but you never know. We'll see. It's the video games landscape is just as affected by the, the capitalist mindset as everyone else. Yep. If they're, if we, okay. If we're going to spend this much money, we better take the whole damn pie. Oh, you mean we're only going to get 25 to 33% of the pie? We're not doing it. If, if 2K, oh, we can only take EA's, uh, you know, a quarter of EA's player base away, it's not worth it for us financially. That's just what yeah. it is. They're not, like, for the most part, these companies are so risk averse that they're just. Yeah. And they're that's why the term it. capitalism breeds innovation is utter bullshit, kids. It doesn't. Yeah. It breeds people just trying to protect their jobs and do as little as possible to maintain the capital. Correct. <laughs> this is more of a question from me. From J Squared, is the Saudi League for soccer really here to stay, or is it not deserving of the hype? Was Ronaldo right? Could the Saudi spending spree cause inflation balance problems within small and domestic leagues? Uh, yes, 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 and yes. Um, so a couple of years ago, almost a decade now at this point, China said, we're going to give... China. We're going to give... <laughs> <laughs> we're going to give a bunch of money to a bunch of players who are really good but not the best in the world, and they'll come play for us because they're going to be like, that's more money than I can make anywhere else. And that that bubble kind of burst, and it burst a little bit before COVID. It definitely would have burst after that. Um, the whole Saudi approach here, though, they're, in, in general, sports washing so that they are more than just the oil-rich country. Like, they want... To build up their tourism industry and be a, a power on a grander scale, essentially. And they're trying to do that through sports, um, which is what people fucking do. Um, we're not even 100 years removed from uh, Germany in the 30s hosting the Olympics in an effort to sports wash. That's exactly what that was. Um, and yeah, it's no different for the Saudis here. Like At the end of the day, yes, they are getting players of a higher caliber uh, that they certainly would not be able to get otherwise off of the merits of how good the league actually is. Um, will that bubble burst? I don't yes. know, because they have the fucking money to burn. They do. Like, they are just, they have so much fucking wealth that they can just burn the money so long as they deem it as, oh, this is working. Um, it was the same thing with, like, Live Golf and everything. And, of course, that yeah, was... Yeah, I was going to bring that up, because I've been... Yeah. So... Like, look, the quality of the league, yeah, it's not going to be very good. It's just not. You're going to have world-class players that are just like, ah, I don't have to fucking try um, because I'm getting paid so much goddamn money. Then you have players like, I'm sorry, but Jordan Henderson, uh, Wilfred Zaha, who jumped over from the Premier League, where they're just going to be fucking coasting because they're just like, oh, I can be in a really competitive league or I can go make a bunch of money and just kind of chill. And that's what they're doing. Um you know, it is going to continue to cause some issues like the money situation in general. And I'll cut this a little bit short. Uh, the money situation in general for football is out of fucking control. <laughs> like there are players who used to go for $30 million in terms of transfers who are now going for $100 million. Like it's it's ridiculous. And a good part of that is, uh, well, you have uh, clubs that are fact uh, backed by uh, big oil. <laughs> Let's be honest, that are backed by these oil-rich nations directly. 
uh, Manchester City, now Newcastle. Like, it's... That, that whole issue is not going away until someone says, you know what? Eh, dirty money is not really for us. But guess what? That's not going to happen because people say, ooh, money. They don't really care where the fuck it comes from. So, yeah, it's, it's here to stay. <sighs> Yay, capitalism could be the fucking title of the show. Um, two, uh, two left, really quickly. From Scroopy Noopers. Question for the podcast. Who's one NHLer who had an outstanding but often underappreciated performance during the Stanley Cup playoffs? Maybe someone overshadowed by a better performer on their team, they were on the losing end of a final, or whose team was knocked out too early. I'll always sing the praises of Ryan Getzlaff in 2018, put his team on his back, and neither Calgary nor Edmonton could stop them. Uh, Dare I say he was at least better for McDavid for those two rounds. Logan Couture, 2016. I gotta look up that stat line now for he actually for yeah or or wait was it uh, that one but I think as I'm actually thinking of 2019 where he was still the leading goal scorer uh, after getting like after the Stanley Cup was over <clears throat> even though he 20 um, rounds. for the record 2017 for Getzoff he had 19 points in 17 games um, there was actually a couple of times he was over a point per game player in the playoffs. Ryan gets no, yeah, he, actually he, he was absolutely dad some of these times, man. Yeah, he was a big time playoff performer. It's weird to me still that Ryan Getzloff retired. Yeah. One of those ones, it's like, oh yeah, he's not he's not playing anymore. Dustin Brown's gone too. Um, Logan Couture, 2018-19, 20 points in twenty games. Twenty sixteen, huh. thirty points in twenty four. That's what I was thinking of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think in twenty in that twenty nineteen one, he had like the most goals of any guy, even after the playoffs or at the Stanley Cup wrapped, or at least till a good amount into it. I remember there's maybe it wasn't even that year, but there was some year where he was the leading goal scorer after they got eliminated in like the second round or conference finals, and it lasted until like the Stanley Cup either being over or very deep into it. Um, I know a lot of people responded this way on. Um, on the Discord, uh, David Krejci is one of those guys who was just an insane playoff performer. Speaking of someone where I'm like, oh, fuck, he, he's gone. Um, 2012-13, he had 26 points in 22 games. Uh, was almost a point per game during the, the Stanley Cup run. Um, he was a, a primetime playoff yeah. performer as well. Um it's tough, man, to think like, okay, because you so much of them in the playoffs, you think of like, oh, like, you know, in terms of like, oh, the guy that didn't win, it's always going to be Jaguar in 03 that gets brought up. Um, or then you could have somebody who maybe didn't win, but then went on to win later. That's, that's a bit of a loaded, loaded question, I would say. Um, but yeah, David Krejci. Probably that first name, and obviously, I, I think it was probably expected that we would go with our favorite teams because you know, yeah. otherwise, you're trying to think of 31 other teams, and it's yeah, like, okay, that. yeah, it can be. That yeah, can I could just say Connor tough. McDavid every year because he is <laughs> he's ridiculous every single year. I am but intrigued, though, hard to say that he's overshadowed by anyone. Yeah, it's funny because it's like you can go back to. So, like, for example, I just randomly clicked on the playoff scoring leaders from 2012. Um, and you'll, you'll be able to find someone for every year. 2012, it was Claude Giroux. Guy had 17 points in 10 games for the Flyers. Damn. Well, yeah. So that's just one of those things where it's like, oh, shit. You know, and then, of course, up there, it's like, oh, who met in the final? L.A. and New Jersey. So you have 
a lot of guys up there. But yeah, that's kind of good cause to go back and look at some of these random years to see like, okay, who were the highest scores from the, you know, uh, from a team that didn't make the final. Um, and fun fact, Ryan Getzloff was up there a good amount of time. So that was a, that was a damn good suggestion. The final question comes from Bud Knight. <laughs> Referencing U-Tree. Uh, Are the Steelers gone to the Super Bowl? The NFL season started yesterday. I don't know if you paid attention to Chiefs and Lions. I don't know if you're paying attention at all anymore. Like, I know you're a Packers fan, but is there <laughs> any interest, any hype for... No, uh, not really. You know, ever, ever since Nicolas Cage showed up to camp. Um, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was, you know... Ever since the crazy rants and the showing up as Nicolas Cage and just the the refusal of, of ownership to ever give a supporting cast to a, a generational quarterback, I just I, I don't have much info. I'll, I'll watch games here and there, but I don't really I don't feel like I have a team anymore. Like maybe I'll go back and still I'll probably still keep up with the Packers, but like it's just I don't know. That ownership group seems fucking stupid. Might I recommend should you get this move to Finland, uh, the team that will be geographically closest to you, which would be oh, the God, uh, Jack- Buffalo. <laughs> well, no, <laughs> given how much they play in London, the uh, the Jacksonville Jaguars. I, I could get down with it. They have pretty sick unis, right? Yeah. Trevor Lawrence. He's got, you know, he's got the long blonde hair, too. Oh, God. But they're fl- I can't bring myself to cheer for Florida. <laughs> they do have sick colors and it's a sick logo like give it up for the jacksonville logo that's a good logo mm. um overall nfl wise i'm i'm hyped as always like it's a big year for the patriots especially like a lot of eyes on mac jones and it's like is he going to be able to actually be the guy um i'm excited though i'm happy that the lions won yesterday not that i'm like vehemently anti-chiefs but I want Lions fans to finally have something good. Like, it's funny for me. Like, I'm in a weird spot now where it's like, I'm always going to be a Patriots fan. Um, you know, prior years, it's like 10 years ago, more than that now, like, when, like, the Cardinals made the Super Bowl with Court, uh, Kurt Warner, Larry Fitzgerald. I'm like, yeah, I'm rooting for them. Uh, coincidentally, against the Steelers. Um, I find myself now where I'm like, okay, the Patriots probably aren't going to win for a long time. I find myself looking around the league and rooting for underdogs of like, man, it'd be cool if they did something. Um, the Jacksonvilles of the world. Um, Washington, now that they don't have a gigantic piece of shit as an owner. Uh, Detroit, who have just gotten beaten down <laughs> for so goddamn long. Um, I kind of just get to enjoy football as a whole instead of being so entrenched of like, oh, God, Tom Brady's going to retire soon. LOL. Um, until he finally did. But, you know, and like, okay, don't don't waste Tom Brady. It's the final years of him. It's like, no, I just get to sit back and enjoy it. And I kind of like, as a Bruins fan, I'm in the same spot. I'm no longer having to be concerned about, oh, don't waste Chara. Don't waste Bergeron. Don't waste Krejci. I just get to sit back and enjoy And if my favorite team makes it far, then sweet. I'm going to be right there along with, you know, along with them on the ride. And if they don't, it's like, eh, well, I've seen them win. So, you know, I'm, I'm a spoiled sports fan and I'm well aware of it. So now I just try to enjoy the sport for what it is. Yeah, I've literally witnessed zero championships for any of my teams besides the Packers in 2010. So I, I guess that. But yeah, I think at the time, yeah, that's that's all. I don't even know if I had to rank my my sports. It's definitely Sharks on top by a mile. Right. It would probably have to be Packers second. Like they they're who I followed mo- more, but because oh, A's were just like 
it, 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 it was it was back. waves for a while. For a while, I would say I've been watching more than the Packers. I'm thinking like Cespedes, Coco Crisp, and like that era when like one of those. And I'm trying to remember who else. And then this the, the later this, this latest one, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. Like <laughs> then we just always, and then they're gone. And then right. it's like fucking hell. And now this whole thing of just you know, what a, what a disgusting saga. What a huge huge fall <laughs> for that franchise, man. Like yeah. Fuck John Fisher. Doris, go so, get your kid. <laughs> so I, I do have a question then. like, Because obviously for me, it's like, all right, it's always been like Bruins, Patriots. Red Sox and Celtics fandom has gone has gone in waves. Like, I'm always a fan, but my interest. Mm-hmm. I yeah, that's I would, that's I would say yeah. I'm a little bit fair weather in that regards. But at the same time, it's like for the Celtics. There's only like, so much sports you can watch, at least for me. Yes, exactly. <laughs> like for the Celtics, like I was all in on what, you know, like. Watching a lot as a kid, I'd catch most games in like the Paul Pierce era. And then when they got Ray Allen and Kevin Garnett and started like really competing, I was all in. I was watching every game. The year they won the title, I watched every playoff game. I was in. And then after that, I'm just like, cool. Same with the Red Sox. Like, fuck, I've seen them win four times, you know? So you're going to have those ebbs and flows. I know. I'm sorry. So the A's are still your favorite baseball team. It's just they, they run fucking terribly. Yeah. I, did I ever ask you why the Packers over like the Niners or the Raiders? My dad was a Ra- is a Raiders fan. Um, I I don't know. He, well, this is the only thing I could come up with. Uh, I used to get babysat before like preschool and kindergarten by our neighbors who were from Wisconsin, mm. and the dad was a Packers fan. <laughs> and he never understood just... a word he said. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I'm from Wisconsin. Uh, but yeah, like, I don't know. I think maybe I just kind of picked it up over there and cheese in one hand, Miller light in the other. And then I think there was a, a game where the Raiders were playing the Packers and 41 Robinson at the time. I think it was a safety. <clears throat> Can't remember the first name. 41 safety for the Green Bay Packers in the 90s. Something Robinson, I want to say. He had like fine. three, two or three or two or I don't know, multiple interceptions on the Raiders. My dad was flipping out and I was having fun cheering against him. And I think that combined with we looked, we're talking Eugene Robinson. I think so. Maybe. Eugene Robinson. He didn't play for the Packers for long, but it lined up in the 90s. So. Yeah. Yeah, but it lined up with about the age number 41, York. right? Yeah. Number 41. Eugene yeah. Robinson. Yeah. Remember that, yeah. Perfect. <laughs> um, and then basketball wise, has that ever been a big thing for you? And if so, like, what did it? Because like, it would like have the been the Warriors. Like, yeah. that's who I watched the most. That's who my dad was a fan of. That's kind of how it goes. But mm-hmm. I never got into it much. Like, I'd watch from time to time. Honestly, the most basketball I ever walked was watched was like the '90s Chicago Bulls because it's Michael right. Jordan. It's the best best, best athlete on the planet. Like, mm-hmm. so you got to watch it. Um, so, yeah, and then I don't know. I played basketball, and then I got disappointed and really lost interest in basketball because I realized I was only going to, I wasn't even going to grow to be six feet. So I'm like, fuck, <laughs> no point in this shit. And when I got cut from the goes, team right? in like middle school, I'm like, all right, fuck this. <laughs> Fucking out. Hate this. Part. <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I just, I didn't have that Michael Jordan energy. I didn't come back stronger the next year. 
but you did go and play baseball. <laughs> I didn't actually. <laughs> uh-huh. I pl- I did like a baseball camp once. Yeah, no, I, I played hockey in high school. That's about it. Yeah, I don't know. Basketball never interests me. And the times I did watch, I'm like, there's a fucking foul every two seconds. This sucks. <laughs> and maybe I was always catching it in like the end stages of a game or, or like stage of a, I don't know, but I just felt like here's a guy driving the lane. Oh, they called a foul. And I just, I didn't re- remember that as much. Like, cause most of the, you know, bull stuff I watched was in the playoffs where I guess in, in a physical, more physical era too. So mm. you'd, you know, put the whistle away at a lot of, at a lot of points. And I don't know. I, I, I just feel like basketball is just weird. And maybe I, maybe I'd like it more now with this more perimeter game and a lot more spacing and different things like that. I don't know. Yeah. I just don't, I haven't really gotten into it. The final but, uh, two minutes of the, bas- light the beam. <laughs> <laughs> the light final the beam. two minutes of a basketball game, AKA the final 45 minutes yeah. of basketball game. <laughs> With that, everybody, we're going to look to wind things down here for this week. We will be back next week to talk more about the hockey side of things and, well, whatever other random stuff comes to mind here, because that's just what the hell this podcast is, let's be honest. Um, With that, Mr. For the Win, what do you have going on? Not much, man. (laughs) I'm getting my place, getting my, yeah, still still doing the franchise mode, getting my place ready for... uh, my girlfriend to come visit from Finland and uh yeah that's that's mostly what I'm doing nothing really to promote fair enough I am still all over the place on the twitch side of things it's Madden season it's NBA season we uh started the streamer versus twitch chat round two through the eras of of the NBA which is still unbelievable that that even exists in a freaking console based sports game um gonna get my revenge on chat this year but yeah and of course all oh, that's going you last time the la- i think uh, the last time i watched a full one of that was when you had the fuck herb. was his name herb. Herb. herb he was yeah he was a g that was that i was don't such remember a his series. last name i just remember his fucking name was herb it was a 7-2 yeah. center who basically turned into kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> <laughs> it was amazing herb green something i want I, I cannot remember but yeah that was that was that was that was classic someone will remember And I thank that person in advance. For now, we will bid you adieu. Thank you very much for watching, listening to the podcast. Shout to Manscaped, as always, for sticking with us. And we will see you next week.